6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. We know that over the years, waiting to see a medical specialist or waiting for treatment at oftentimes, well, just waiting has become the norm in this country. Recently, those wait times and treatment were even more impacted because of the delays caused by the pandemic. Now, the latest studies show that Canadians face a median waiting time of about 25.6 weeks between referral from a GP and getting the treatment they needed. That has more and more people looking elsewhere to find relief. Some Canadians are leaving the country for treatment at the same time the Medical Tourism Association has ranked Canada as the top destination in the world for medical tourism. Have you been so fed up with the wait that you've gone elsewhere to get treatment? Let me know at 780-496-0063. Maybe you know somebody. Let's get into all of this with Dr. Catherine Smart, the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Dr. Smart, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, those uh, backlogs, what are you seeing and hearing from the front lines? Are they getting any better as things start to, and I'm going to say get back to normal in quotes, because we know it's not a little iffy right now with the sixth wave. Um, But are things returning at least a little bit back to, to normal? I think the situations in our hospitals remains really precarious. You know, we're not necessarily seeing the pressure on ICUs like we've seen in past waves, but we are seeing tremendous pressure on emergency departments with wait times that are astronomical in some contexts. Still many patients being housed in the emergency department because there's not space on the inpatient wards as our wards are still very overwhelmed. Um, so I think there still is a lot of pressure in hospital. Uh, some of that is, is just high volumes of people seeking care because of the six wave and in addition to other chronic issues that weren't really dealt with during the pandemic and some of that's related to the ongoing crisis with human health resources and more healthcare workers themselves being off work due to having COVID so that all that pressure has kind of come together and I think that's made it very challenging to be able to start to address the backlogs in surgery and diagnostic imaging in in any meaningful way as we're still sort of just trying to keep our head above water to keep the system going. Yeah and the thing is when I say back to normal uh, the normal isn't great when there's backlogs um, and, and there's wait times of 25, 30, 34, 35, 41 weeks, depending on where you are in this country. What does that say about the system and what needs to be done? No, absolutely. I think what's very clear is our system has been declining for years and in COVID really pushed it over the cliff. This was not something new. It was a system already really struggling and this was sort of that final blow that's really taken things to a whole new level in, in terms of the seriousness of the impact on patient care. Um, you know, and, and I think there's many things that need to be done, but I think at this stage, one of the most critical parts is we need to sort of get past this desire from our politicians to keep reassuring the public that everything is okay. Mm. It is not okay. That is clear. You know, you just need to talk to anyone who's actually a healthcare professional. They will tell you that. Um, And I don't think it's helpful to have the messaging to the public be, oh, no, we're sorting it out, we're handling it. You know, that's just not true. We're at a point now where we need significant systems transformation to bring our healthcare system into the modern times and actually move forward in a way that will make sure Canadians are getting a high level of service. And without substantial rethinking and reinvestment and recommitment to to this, you know, systems change, we're not going to get there. 
Dr. Catherine Smart is the president of the Canadian Medical Association joining me this afternoon. You brought so much up there in your last answer and I wanted to touch on a few of those things. But, you know, first off, you talk about, you know, politicians saying, hey, we're working on it. You know, things are things are OK. Yeah, they're going to be OK. Uh, Canada's health minister, Jean-Yves Duclos, at the end of what, last month, actually said the country's universal health care system is at risk, but then went on to announce $2 billion to help fix the surgery backlog. Um, my thing is, though, is, you know, just continuing to throw money at the situation, is that just a, no pun intended, Band-Aid um, solution when you're talking about significant transformational changes being needed? I think that's the real risk in front of us right now is, is this idea of let's just pour more dollars into a system that's fundamentally flawed. And I think that's where we are. So, you know, do we need more investments in healthcare? Yes, of course, that's needed. Do we need more doctors, nurses, other healthcare professionals? Yes, we do. But is that the only thing that's needed? And would that alone solve this? And I think the answer to that is quite clearly no. You know, our our system, the way it works now, was designed in the 60s. What else in our day-to-day lives is operating in the same way as it was in 1960? I mean, literally nothing. So I, I don't think it's a surprise that that way of doing things that still predominates in many domains is no longer functioning. Um, and, and that's why I think we really need that rethink because Canadians deserve good outcomes for the investments that they're making. We know a significant amount of our tax dollars goes into this healthcare system. We know it's full of dedicated and excellent healthcare professionals. We have some of the best training and, and most skilled professionals in this country. So we should be able to provide excellent outcomes, but the data is telling us we are starting to significantly lag behind other similar countries. And I think that's because we haven't seen those investments in rethinking the design and the way the system functions uh, to allow it to really modernize to meet the needs of Canadians. So when we talk about the modernize to meet uh, the needs of Canadian citizens, I mean, specifically, what would you be looking at? You know, what what would be top one and two that needs to be changed? I think there's a few things. You know, one is right now one of our big problems is our system is not driven by outcomes or accountability. It's driven by volume and bulk mm-hmm. funding. So we're not tying the dollars we're spending to outcomes we're trying to achieve, right? So naturally what that means is you're not then necessarily getting outcomes because that's not what's being incentivized. So I think that there's a fundamental shift that has to happen there. Hospitals are funded with these global budgets where they're given a certain amount of dollars for the year. So you can then appreciate their motivation is to do you know anything that they have to do to keep within that dollar figure which doesn't mean doing more patient care because it's caring for the patients that costs the dollars so instead of the funding being attached to the patient or their condition or their our ability to achieve the outcome that patient needs it's just tied to this global amount of money which incentivizes doing less and providing less care so that's a huge issue so how much of this issue lays at the feet of i don't know administrators that- those, you know, you know, top up in, in, in healthcare administration who are laying the things out. This is the way we are going to do it. And how do we change that? Well, I think it's not, you know, one person's problem. This has obviously evolved over a long time, and I certainly wouldn't blame administrators. You know, I think they're working within the system as it stands, and, and they, the system has got layers from, you know, the community level to the hospital level up to the health ministry level yeah. up to the uh, federal government. So the things all interact with each other, and I don't think it's one person or set of people or group of people's decisions that have sort of led to this. But I think what it what led to this is sort of, 
part of our problem is because we have this sort of love affair with our our universal health care system, we sometimes, I think, struggle to have honest conversations about what our health care system actually is, how it works, and what some of these fundamental changes need to be to move it forward. And we're all sort of stuck in this inertia, and it's not getting us where we need to be. And so should, do, you, do you think we should maybe be opening up more private health care options, pay as you go, help free up that backlog, those who want to pay can pay, and those who, you know, otherwise... Um, would 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 go through the system as as usual I don't think that is what Canadians want. And I think the assumption there with that type of model would be that we have more resources to leverage into a parallel system. And our biggest problem is human health resources. And we don't have enough even in the system we currently have. So if we went to this idea of let's create a parallel system, yes, would the care be better for the people that could pay in that system Uh potentially? But of course, then what's going to happen is it's going to get worse for a lot of Canadians. I think what we need to be doing is rethinking how the public dollars we're spending are being spent, how we can get better outcomes for our investments, where we need more investment and driving those investments to with data and accountability to make sure they're actually directed at getting outcomes. And then we can we can improve the system that we have. I think if anything, we probably need to include more things in our public funding to try to create a better level playing field for people's health. But again, you know, would I think that's a good idea to do that if it's not driven with some sort of accountability data-based outcomes? No, because then we, have, of course, have that same risk of more dollars are just flowing in, but for what for what outcome? And that's, I don't think, what Canadians want either. They want to see value for their investments, and I think that's very reasonable. Before I let you go, so we know that there are some Canadians that are, are, are leaving to get treatment or Canadians going to other provinces, you know, wherever it is, maybe to, uh, to, to, get, to get treatment that they can pay for. The Medical Tourism Association ranked Canada as the top country for treatment. What does that say? I, honestly, I find that very surprising because I don't know what, what treatments that would be. I mean, of course, we do have some private surgery for cosmetic things and things that aren't covered under universal health care in the country. Um, and there are some other private surgical centers that do some other work outside of the system but it's certainly not at a large scale and it's not common so i i i heard that that ranking and i was quite surprised because i honestly don't know what exact care that would be referring to based on how our system works Uh, dr smart always appreciate your time in our conversations thanks for joining me this afternoon Thanks for having me. Yeah, you betcha. Lots to think about right there. Dr. Catherine Smart, the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Do you know somebody? Or maybe you have gone somewhere to get treatment because you just couldn't put up with the wait time anymore and you were in pain? Let me know, 780-496-0063. How long of a wait was it last year from GP to specialist and then specialist to treatment? I'll tell you right after this.